Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of redlegnation.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With us once again is a fellow editor at redlegnation.com, Bill Lack. How are you doing today, Bill? I'm just here providing the uh, needed veteran experience to this to this broadcast. I don't know where we'd be without you. You're the you're the Scott Roll. Oh no no, you're the Edgar Renteria of the of the podcast. There you go. <laughs> um, so the spring training's uh, well underway, and uh, lots of things going on uh, in spring training. Lots of well, really, I started to say lots of, but there really aren't that aren't very many. Spots open that are in open competition this year in spring. Sort of a different spring for the Reds, even though they're a young team and still sort of a team that's developing their identity. Um, not a whole lot of spots open for people to win. Uh, is that the way you see it? Yeah, I and mean, I don't think it's necessarily that different for the Reds. I mean, the Reds have never had to you know, come in with, with five, six, eight spots open on the roster. The difference between now and the past is they've got talented guys in those spots versus, you know, trying to pick the lesser of the evils. Uh, but I do agree with you that there's there's probably, I think, maybe three spots. I really think there's really two spots still up for grabs on this team. I, I think other than that, this roster's set, but I, I could be wrong. And I, I imagine those spots are in the bullpen and uh, one, of the, one of the starting uh, pitchers. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I think there's one spot on the bench that's still up for grabs. Uh, I don't. I think the starting. I think Woods is going to be the starter. I think Leak will not make this team. Uh, I couldn't be completely wrong. And I think Willis is going to make this team. Uh, I'm not sure there's any spots really open in the bullpen. I think the Reds want Willis to make this team, and as, unless he falls on his face in the next week and a half, or whatever it is, two weeks. He's uh, he's going to make this ball club. Yeah, you know, I think that's one of the spots where people have talked about there being uh, an opening, and I guess really Dontrell Willis is the the big unknown. He's pitched pretty well so far. It's only been a few innings, but you know, you can't complain about uh, his production so far. And I think you're right. I think the Reds want him to make this make the staff. Uh, and you know, uh, if if he's pitching well, if he can go back to pitching like he did there for a while, hey, I'm all for it. But uh, I'm very skeptical. He's looked pretty bad for the last few years, so I'm not going to let a few spring outings. Uh, four or five innings so far convinced me just yet. But uh, I think you're right. If he just does reasonably well, he's going to make it. And probably that's going to mean three left-handers in the bullpen, which is uh, sort of different than what we've experienced the last few years, don't you think, with uh, with Bill Bray and uh, – uh, who am I forgetting? Oh, yeah, that guy Chapman. What's his name, Chapman? Yeah, that kid. I, I don't know. we have to see what he can do, you know. Um <laughs> You know, and Dusty talked a little bit in the paper today about using the different left-handers and different, you know, up against different kinds of hitters. And I thought that was an interesting point. I, I think the interesting thing about all this are they going to be the guys that aren't going to make this team. Um, Jordan Smith's not going to make this team, and he pitched very, very well for this team last year. Um, Arredondo isn't going to make this team. I don't think. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't. The first guy called up out of Louisville when they need somebody, you know, providing he goes down there and his and his uh, he's able to find the plate, which has been his problem so far in the spring. Uh, those are the two big surprises to me, the guys that aren't going to make this team. Um, it'll be interesting, I think, to see what they do with LeCure when you know if he doesn't make. Well, I don't think he's going to make this team. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with him at Louisville, whether he goes into the rotation down there or whether they keep him on this bullpen track. He showed some uh, signs last year of really being a, an effective middle reliever or even, you know, they're not going to need him at the end of games in a setup role, really. But he was fairly effective last year. 
Um, and I think it's a similar question with Matt Maloney. I mean, you got to think Matt Maloney will probably go down to AAA and start, but they're similar guys, and the only way they're going to break into the, on the major league roster is out of the bullpen, you got to believe. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and and I, I I said this on the on the uh, on the blog this week is that's why you know if for some reason Willis didn't make this team, I didn't want him going to AAA and taking a a, a spot from anybody. I you know I realize he's only twenty nine years old, but we've got talented guys younger than that 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 you know. That they don't need to lose their spot or get pushed down in their development for a guy that's 29 that, that may be done, uh, you know. And, and, and that's what I would assume if he can't make this ball club that he's never going to be able to find the plate on a consistent basis again. Well, he's shown some signs that uh, enough encouraging signs that I'm like you. I think the Reds are probably really hoping he does make the team. And at this point, you got to think if they, if they had to make the decision today, he would be on the team. Yep. Um, and out there in the bullpen, you've got the the other guys. I guess Andrusek's probably going to make it. He had a pretty good year last year um, in terms of the right-handers out there. You'll have Cordero and um, – oh, who am I forgetting? Now, you mentioned Jordan Smith, and he's not pitched well in the spring, but he's a guy that came up and really was very effective last year for the Reds and really got him out of a tight spot when they needed an arm. Um, yep. And, and you're right, he has almost no chance, I would think, of making this roster right now. Yeah, he, he's still very young. Uh, the guy you're forgetting is Jared Burton. Jared Burton is he is he going to make it? I, I think he should. I think I thought he should have been in the bullpen earlier than he was last year. They waited till September to bring him up. I'm a I'm a Jared Burton fan. I think he's already got this team made. Yeah. As long as as long as he's healthy, I think he's got this team made. And of course, that's been uh, part of the issue with him. He's not been particularly healthy uh, the last couple years. Uh, just watching him pitch, and, and when he is on, he is really as dominant as anybody in that bullpen, uh, other than the aforementioned Aroldis Chapman. Um, I, I just I'm, I'm a Jared Burton fan. I think he's sort of gotten a little bit of the short end of the stick the last uh, couple years, but uh, and part of that's injuries. But uh, I, I look really forward to seeing a healthy Burton in this bullpen. Uh, well, they, uh, there was an article the other day about Burton, and one of the, the I can't even remember where I read it, talking about this this undiagnosed illness he's had for two years that they finally determined was a thyroid problem. And once they got him on the right medication, his you know he started pitching better. He started picking his weight back up, and his his stuff came back. And and you know they're saying now that he's pitching right now like he did before he got sick two years ago. And so you, and you remember a couple of years ago, I think he was the uh, closer in waiting for all intents and purposes. A couple of years ago, everybody was expecting him to be the you know the next closer for this team. So um, absolutely. And of course, Nick Massett. We didn't mention him, uh, who's at times has been the last year or so been called the closer in waiting. Um, it's got a chance to be a pretty good bullpen, doesn't it? I think this this bullpen could be very special. I don't see, you know, assuming that the the, the Willis pitches fairly well, you know, well enough to make this team. I don't see a weakness in this bullpen. Uh, but, you know, other than they don't have. Well, that's not even true. Uh, I was going to say they don't have guys that really come in and bring it. But I mean, Chapman will, uh, you know, a little bit. You know, we, he can throw a little bit hard. But Andrusik throws the ball pretty damn well. I mean, the guy's six eight. Cordero brings it. Massett can bring it when he needs to. Burton, you know, is another one. I, I don't see a weakness in, in the pitching staff at all, other than the fact that we don't have what some people want to call a number one. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes the more I think about it, I think it's a I, well, Aroldis Chapman's a, a probably another story for another day. We need to spend a full podcast talking about him sometime, but. Um, you know, a lot of people made a hay about whether or not he should be the closer out there in the bullpen. And I think if you're going by traditionally, who's your best pitcher? I think he's the most dominant. I think he probably should be the closer. But on the other hand, I kind of like having him in the setup role because Dusty uh, will tend to use that guy rather than his closer, who's supposed to be his best reliever. He'll use that setup guy in, in uh, some more uh, serious situations. That's what he's done in the past. I like having Chapman coming in in those tight spots rather than rather than Cordero, frankly. So that could could benefit the Reds. Well, the other thing is with Chapman, let, let's remember how young this kid is, that he's still learning to live in America. You know, he hasn't pitched a whole a whole lot of uh, minor league ball, much less major league ball. And if you asked him to, to come in and be the closer right out of the gate on a team that's expected to win, that's a lot of pressure to put on that kid. You're not suggesting that Aroldis Chapman's not Superman, are you? Because I don't want to hear that. I haven't seen him in, in, in the blue and red tights yet. That's all I'll say. <laughs> um, 
Well, I, I agree with you. I think the bullpen has a chance to be the best uh, Cincinnati bullpen in a long time. And I think it's a sort of a similar uh, situation with the starting rotation. You said that you think that they've got their starting five uh, pretty much uh, – they're not, not really committed publicly to it. I think you're probably right. Um, I think it's going to be, obviously, Arroyo, uh, Cueto, Volquez, uh, and Homer Bailey are locks. And, and I think Travis Wood, I think you're right, he's probably – a lock for this rotation uh, at this point, which leaves Mike Leake as the odd man out. Um, and that's pretty good to have a number six starter uh, like Mike Leake, you know, number one draft pick who uh, obviously had a really, really impressive rookie season. So the starting rotation's really got a chance to be, it's not going to be like the, the Phillies uh, rotation or anything, but it's got a chance to be the best Cincinnati rotation in a long time. I watched. I started watching a bit of Major League Baseball's 30 teams in 30 days on the Reds last night a little bit. And, and they were talking about 1 through 12 that the Reds pitching staff could be the deepest pitching staff in the National League. And that's pretty, pretty, you know, speaking pretty well about a team, if you ask me. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people are talking about how the Reds aren't going to be able to maybe put up as many runs as they did last year. Obviously, led the league in runs uh, scored. And I think that's probably true. There's a lot of things that have to go right for the Reds to duplicate that performance. And we may talk about that a little bit more later. But I think that there's an awfully good chance that this team's going to surrender fewer. And so maybe they don't need to score as many to have uh, as good or better a season because I just can't see with these young pitchers. Uh, you got to think a guy like Cueto still young, going to maybe take a step forward. If we get anything out of Volquez uh, more than what we've got the last couple years, uh, that's that's an improvement. Homer Bailey is a young guy. If he improves, and, of course, Travis Wood, those guys are, should all still be on the sort of the upswing. And if you get increased production out of them combined with uh, what looks to be a pretty good bullpen, I don't see why they can't be one of the best staffs, uh, and it really makes you even more excited than uh, you may already have been. And by extension, on, on, on talking about about giving up runs, I expect the Reds' defense to be better than it was last year. Good call. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not sure that. Well, I didn't believe I didn't believe Scott Rowland was a Gold Glover last year, but um, Giannis is going to help him on balls hit to his left. Giannis is right. You know, he'll get the balls that, that Cabrera never could have got to in his wildest dreams. Uh, I think at some point, Dusty will realize that Johnny Gomes is not the everyday left fielder, and we'll start seeing less of him. How much less, who knows? But the more we can get Gomes out of the outfield, the better the defense is going to be. Um, hopefully the, the Hannigan-Hernandez split will favor Hannigan because he's a better defensive player. Um, Phillips is going to be Phillips. Votto's ever improving at first base, and I'll take Stubbs and Bruce against pretty much anybody in the in the center and right field in baseball. Yeah, you know when you look at that defense, Gomes out there in left field is really the only weak link. Um, the The problem with, with last year, I, I agree with you. Roland probably was not the best defensive third baseman in the league. Uh, I was glad to see him win the Gold Glove just because I'm a Reds fan and, and I'm uh, biased, but. Probably Ryan Zimmerman was the best uh, defensive third baseman, I would say. But either way, Roland, Roland's still good. His, ha- his hands are, are good. He, uh, you know, if he can get to the ball, he's not going to make a mistake with it generally. The problem was when you had him combined with uh, Orlando Cabrera last year, neither one of them have the range they had 10 years ago. And so you're right, there were a lot of balls getting through that uh, you got to think with Paul Yonish out there, if he gets a legit shot um, at really getting some playing time, that's got to improve the infield defense. And, and there's really no weak links anywhere else. Jay Bruce, I think, is the best uh, defensive right fielder in baseball. Uh, Drew Stubbs, I expect, to really take make big strides this year uh, defensively. He had some lapses early in the season last year, but just like with his hitting, as he grew more comfortable in the major league, seems like he was better defensively and offensively. Um, Brandon Phillips, gold glover, he may or may not have been the actual best second baseman uh, defensively in the league, but he's awfully doggone good. Um, you, you said Valo's ever improving, no question. So, uh, you know, it's a uh, that's something that I haven't uh, certainly. I, I admit that I'm guilty as charged uh, for ignoring the impact that a, an effective defense can have on a team. But when you're talking about preventing runs with these improving arms and a, and a good defense behind them, yeah, I mean that's a it's going to be a, a pretty good situation. Well, let's also let's uh, you, you went around the team, but you forgot the guy behind the plate. And uh, teams don't run on Ryan Hannigan anymore. They've learned. Exactly. Yeah, I'm. I'm I've become a believer on Hannigan. I, I was never sure he was actually going to even be a, a big league player, and he's a he's a legit uh, big league catcher uh, defensively, certainly, and his he gets on base as well. Uh, 
no complaints about Ryan Hannigan. Um, and and just to address briefly the the left field situation, uh, you know, you would hope at some point Johnny Gomes is not going to be getting you know eighty percent of the uh, starts out there because the defense is so bad that it makes it you, you know drops him down into the the area where he's maybe even a replacement level player. But the primary backups. And we we'll have to see who makes the team here, but you got to think Fred Lewis is probably going to make the team, who's um, at least going to be adequate defensively, uh, maybe slightly above average. The the sort of scouting report on Lewis is fast, athletic, um, maybe doesn't always take the best routes to the ball, and and uh, but uh, overall above average, um, if slightly. Chris Heisey is a very good fielder. Um, so, you know, that's going to improve the defense anytime those guys are in there. So it has a chance to be a special defense. Um, what, what would you like to see him do with left field? Coming out of spring training, I think the Lewis-Gomes platoon is what makes the most obvious sense um, because you know Gomes is going to be part of it. No matter what happens, he's going to be part of it. Uh, if, if, you know, if I were the guy making the decisions, Heisey would be in there instead of Gomes. He's younger. He'll give you the same numbers. He'll be better on the base pass, and God knows he's better in the outfield. But it's just not going to happen. Uh, I'm not even sure Heisey's going to make this team. He may start the year in Louisville, despite the fact that he, he had a pretty daggone good rookie year for the Reds last year. He's just caught in a numbers game. Yeah, and I'm not sure that it's going to improve any for uh, for Heisey. You're right. I think probably a Heisey-Lewis uh, platoon in left field really is not that, not that bad a, an idea. It's, but given the guys that we've got, Gomes uh, platooning with Lewis in left field, really, it's not that bad a deal either because Gomes, for all his faults, and he, he's terrible defensively, but if you're just strictly going to play him against uh, left-handed pitchers, he can help the team because uh, he can he can mash left-handers. Um, and Lewis hits well against right-handed pitching. But going back to Heisey, I'm not sure he's going to make the team either, and, and he was gone from being a guy that a lot of people were really high on to a guy that he's got somebody bearing down on him uh, – from behind in Dave Sapel. This guy just continues to blow everybody away and you know hitting over 500 this spring with power, um, speed. Uh, you know, Heisey may be in trouble for the next couple of years here. He he may not be on the outs in Cincinnati. What do you think? Well, I think it's very possible that you know that he might be a, a, a piece, you know, to a puzzle for for a, a deal at some point. Um Baker really likes the pelt, uh, from what I've been told, from what I hear. Uh, and the kid seems to be getting better. I saw him play at Dayton in 2009, and I'll be honest with you, he didn't impress me. Uh, but he's gotten better everywhere else that he's played for any, any extended period of time. And he must have been magic in, in Carolina last year to get the, you know, to get a late promotion into Louisville. Uh, and, you know, and we don't want to go too crazy on spring training stats, but if there's been a better player in red spring training so far this year, you'd have to tell me who it is. Well, there's a lot of there's been a lot of talk about uh, Sapelt's off-season uh, conditioning program, and he did some work uh, on his swing, changed his swing really entirely before last season, and ended up having just a unbelievable year. So uh, he's caught Dusty's eye. He's fast, which Dusty loves. Not a real smart baser at this point, but he keeps saying he's working on it. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays in it. You, you couldn't ask any more of it. The guy's come up and done what he hit all last year, and now he's the – got to think, you know, if, if he and Heisey both get sent to AAA, um, I'm not so sure that Heisey's the first outfitter that gets called up when they need one, and that's a really a big sort of drop-in status for Chris Heisey and, and kind of disappointing because I think we're all Chris Heisey fans. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, that Louisville team is going to be fun to watch. You know what they're. You know, I'm assuming their outfield is going to be Sapelt, Heisey, and Frazier at this point. That ain't a bad outfield for AAA. Uh, no, that's pretty good. But you know, we're, we're assuming we're assuming that Heisey's not going to make this team, and if he don't make this team, I think Hermita does. Uh, the advantage I see there is that Hermita's a left-handed hitter. I don't know. I, you know, we still got a couple weeks to go. Heisey could still make this team, but I'd be very surprised. Yeah, they're going to need uh, some left-handed, uh, a left-handed bat off the bench. Either Hermida or Juan Francisco, I guess, are really the only ones that are probably got a shot at making it. I'm not a big fan of uh, Francisco uh, for various reasons, but uh, he is what he is. He can hit the ball a long way. Uh, 
I think he's a left-handed Willie Mopena, frankly. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens when you get down to the. I hate I hate the fact that Todd Frazier's not really going to have a real shot at making this team because Miguel Cairo's in his way. I think Todd Frazier brings a lot more to the table than uh, than Cairo would. Uh, but you know that is what it is. It's going to be Cairo, and Cairo had a fantastic season last year. Um, and of course, Renteria is going to be the other infield backup uh, who's played, I think, maybe exactly one inning in anywhere other than shortstop in his career, something like that. It's something crazy. He's expected to back up around the infield. So, um, except not at third base. Dusty, no, no, no. Dusty said he can't back up at third base. So well, I guess they're going to have to keep uh, Francisco. I guess, don't you think? No, I think Cairo will be their backup at third base. Oh, there you go. I just for, I mentioned Cairo. Forgot about him in twenty seconds. I, I just don't. I don't think. I don't think they want Francisco up here sitting on the bench. Uh, I do think it'll be interesting to see what happens if if Roland has to go on the DL. Whether they they call up Francisco and and their defense suffers, or or whether they bring Frazier up. But it seems like Frazier's going to play the outfield at Louisville. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I, I, what I see on this team, though, and the and the, th- and the advantage that Heisey has, I think, over, and you assume that he and Hermida are, 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 are Hermita are, are fighting for the same spot. Is Heisey has shown some pop off the bench, and this te- this bench is going to be sorely lacking in somebody that can put the ball out of the ballpark. So that is something in Heisey's favor. Yeah, he did show the last year that he could come off the bench cold and um, and produce. In that role, and uh, so that you think I'd be in his favor, and also he's a better defensive player than, than Hermita. So um, I don't know. It's it's you know we're talking getting down to the end of the roster, into the, the twenty five man uh, roster. None of these decisions are going to make or break the team, but uh, there's going to be something interesting to watch as the rest of spring training uh, continues. Really, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about, with specific respect to spring training, is um, maybe you could give us an update on. Uh, Matt Klinker, our uh, spotlight guy at RedLegNation.com, who uh, has been invited to his first major league camp this year, and uh, I know you've had some uh, some contact with him. And uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, young Mister Klinker? I uh, I haven't talked to Matt in a couple of weeks. Uh, I talked to him not long after he'd been down there, right before he threw in that first game, and then he got racked up again the other day in a B game. Um doesn't seem like Matt's doing real well, you know, in terms of getting people out, but I'm sure it's been a good experience for him, and uh, I'm sure he'll fill us in on, on, on what all's you know, he's, he's learned and what it meant to him when he checks in with us later on. Um, I, I'm curious, to, to, I wonder whether the, the Reds evaluation process in terms of where guys start the season... You know, because I would assume that Matt will be one of the first guys that's cut, that's sent to the minor league camp. And if that's the case, does he start over from there in the evaluation process, or does the fact that he's not done real well in the big league camp carry over? You know, I hope it's the former and not the latter. Uh, you know, if if, if they're going to hold what he did in the big league camp and or how how he struggled in the big league camp against him. He might have trouble making the Louisville roster, and I, and I hope that's not the case. Well, I would think, uh, and this is just me sort of talking out of school, I would think that probably that's going to have less of an impact on where he starts the season. They know what he can do. They've seen him the last few years. But it may have an impact on you get a couple of injuries or something later in the year and you're looking for a guy to bring up, uh, you know, where he is on the depth chart of guys to bring up to the majors. Uh, and, and, again, I would hope that wouldn't necessarily hurt him that bad if he's pitching well in AAA, but um, that's something you got to look at. Um all right, now, a couple other specific items with respect to the roster. And, you know, we've talked about who's making it and who's not making it and talking about uh, which guys should make it and, and where the competitions are. But one of the interesting competitions that we've talked about for a while is uh, who's going to be the leadoff hitter for this team. And there's no clear, obvious leadoff hitter. Um, and I was wondering if you had any thoughts about who you think should be the leadoff hitter and, and what you think the Reds will do with respect to that. I think Fred Lewis should be the leadoff hitter, but I don't think he will be. Uh, I think it's going to come down to the same thing they did last year. It's either going to be Brandon Phillips or it's going to be Drew Stubbs. 
I I hate Brandon Phillips in the leadoff spot. I just hate it. Now, as everybody knows that listens to our podcast, I'm not the biggest Brandon Phillips fan in the world. Uh, I thought he's a good player. You know, he plays plays good defense, but I just he's not my favorite. A minute ago, though, uh, you, and you I said don't. That- a minute ago there when you said that you hate Brandon Phillips in the leadoff spot, I thought you were going to stop after I hate Brandon Phillips. I was concerned that you were getting ready to go ahead and declare uh, your feelings about Phillips there. So I'm glad you kept going and said you just in the uh, leadoff spot. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad he's a red. I think he's overpay, overpriced, but that's just my opinion. Um, but I really think he, he, I really think he brings nothing to the leadoff spot. Uh, zero. Uh, I'd rather see Ryan Hannigan in the leadoff spot than Brandon Phillips, and if you can believe that, um, you know. And, and we've had this debate on you know, on the blog, and I just think Drew Stubbs is the obvious. It is the obvious answer. Um, whether they're willing to, you know, whether he can play the position well. You know, everyone's talking about how he did early last year when they put him in that spot. But I'm hoping that the kid uh, matured a lot during the course of the season and that he'll be he'll be ready to face you know to handle that challenge as we go on here. Um, what I'd really like to see is Stubbs and, and, and Lewis kind of rotating in that leadoff spot, but at least early in the year I don't know how much uh, Lewis is gonna play. Yeah I don't either. Um, it's, that's gonna be something to watch how Dusty works out that left field uh, situation and whether Lewis gets any kind of a chance. Uh, not that Lewis is any kind of a world beater, but he does get, have a history of getting on base, which is what you would think you'd want out of your leadoff hitter. I, with, as with respect to Phillips, I'm a bigger Brandon Phillips fan than you are overall, but I share your uh, – well, I have no affinity for Phillips, we'll say, as a leadoff hitter. Uh, you know, his biggest issue that I've had with Brandon Phillips over the years is just that he has a tendency to swing at every pitch. And uh, that's not what you want out of your leadoff hitter. You don't want a guy who's, uh, you know, 320 on base percentage, uh, you know, which is where Phillips is, is for his career, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, and a matter of fact, as a leadoff hitter last year, Phillips' on base percentage was just barely over 300. Uh, he's not a leadoff hitter. Uh, I don't see, I do see why Dusty Baker likes to think that he is, but. I just I think it's a very poor idea having Brandon Phillips as your leadoff guy. Uh, he he's to me, man. You put him at sixth in the lineup, something like that. I think it's just a, that's the sweet spot for him. To me, I, I I agree with you. I think Drew Stubbs is the best option out of the everyday guys. Uh, his on base percentage in the minors was up uh, pushing three seventy. Um, last year, the last six weeks of the year, it was over three eighty in the majors. So he's not going to do three eighty for a full season, but if he can get up around three fifty or something in the majors. Uh, in terms of on base percentage with his speed and uh, I just I think he's a pretty good option um, plus he has some some pop in his bat which is something you don't usually get out of a leadoff hitter and I don't think that's a bad thing um, now I think the best option sort of what you said a moment ago is when Fred Lewis is playing certainly if he's playing against uh, right-handers you have him leading off maybe Drew Stubbs leading off against left-handers you, it's not like you have to have the same guy every day but I think there are some options that would uh, that the Reds could use in that spot. Everybody's talking about, oh, what are they going to do about leadoff? And it's been sort of the big question over the offseason. But I think there's some options there that will help uh, improve uh, this offense. So uh, we just got to hope that Dusty makes the right call. No comment. I agree with you. Um, there's a number of things that Dusty could do to improve this offense. His aversion to left-hander, left-hander thing, Drives me up the wall. Uh, I would have no problems with Blatton, Votto, and Bruce back-to-back, but that's just me. Um, but somebody, I think it was Greg posted something the other day where he, he showed the number of you know base runners that we didn't get on board in front of uh, Votto and Roland and, and Gomes and Bruce. And if we can improve that number and those guys have anywhere close to the season they had last year, we're going to score more runs. I mean, it's just obvious. Yeah, and I think we need to because you got to expect guys like Scott Rowland to not have as good a year as he had last year, and um, you know, Votto he'll be should be good, but gosh, I don't know if we can count on him to have as, as good a year. So Reds need to be maximizing those opportunities to get runs and get people on base, and, uh, get them on, get them over, get them in, as uh, 
George Graham would have said. So, all that's interesting. I don't know how much faith we should have in Dusty doing the right thing, but I got to say, I I like Dusty more today than I did two years ago. You know, I mean, um, I don't want to get into a big Dusty Baker uh, discussion here because that's another thing we could talk about for uh, the the next uh, hour or two hours. But you know, on the other hand, Dusty is what he is, and we've got him for two more years. So uh, let's just. uh, I'm trying to keep from getting dragged into that conversation. So talk about something else, please. Uh, Well, the thing with Dusty is I think the things that Dusty is good at are not the things that are apparent to those of us on the outside. Uh, Everybody that I talk to says what a great, you know, clubhouse guy he is, yada, yada, yada. And I'm not belittling that because I do think managing personalities is important. But it's hard to judge him on that because we don't see any of that when we do. But the stuff we do see drives some of us absolutely over the edge. Yeah, he uh, he drives us a little bit batty. But on the other hand, he's uh, you know trying to trying to be. I guess looking at it with a glass half full, maybe that's the way to put it. Is hey, he's not been as bad with the arms as we thought he'd be. Um, and possibly Aaron Harang uh, being the exception. He's not been as bad in terms of uh, the, letting some young guys play, at least the ones that really deserve to, to play. We complain about Orlando Cabrera playing so much, but, you know, I mean, Cabrera playing ahead of Paul Yonish is, uh, you know, it's not like having somebody... Uh, having it's some, defensible. Yeah, it's not like you're starting some old guy in front of Jay Bruce or something. I mean, you know, he's, he's right. Jay Bruce. And, and, and give him credit for sticking with Bruce and sticking with Stubbs last year when they struggled. Right, those are two young guys, and, and his reputation was that, you know, he he didn't like the young guys. He favored the veterans, and he there were a couple of times last year when he absolutely could have cut bait on both those guys. And the majority of sort of the Reds uh, fan base out there in uh, WLW uh, calling radio land would have been right behind him on that, and, and he didn't. And, and the Reds are better for it. So, yeah, I don't know if it, if he could have done it to Bruce, but he definitely could have done it to Stubbs. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Um, Before we get off of spring training, the one thing I wanted to bring up, and I'm, I'm taking a look here at the, at the spring training stats, and I don't know if this is an every year occurrence or, or not, but a lot of our young guys who've gotten you know 13 to 20 ABs this spring so far have hit the crap out of the ball. I mean, not only Sapelt, our buddy Devin Mazzarocco, he's got an OPS this spring of, of 1288. Zach Cozart, twelve oh four. Chris Faleka, ten ninety two. Yonder Alonso, ten seventy one. And these guys are you know over fifteen at bats or fifteen plate appearances. So I mean, you know that ain't bad. Chris Heisey, you know eight sixty eight. Yeah, you talk about Mezzarocco, and that's a guy that I should have mentioned earlier when we were talking about how uh, Sapelt is turning heads in spring training. My goodness. Mizarocco coming off last year, um, when he was just the minor league player of the year for the Reds, has just evidently been pounding balls uh, over the fence and just really impressing everybody. Uh, he may be ready sooner than any of us think. So you're right, and and you talked earlier about Louisville having such a good team. Man, there's those are those are some bats that uh, you know. I think the Reds can be confident if they've got to bring any of those guys up that uh, you know they can do the job. Yeah, that that could be a fun team to watch down there. Yeah, and, and you know the Reds have not had any real depth for the last ten or fifteen years, and you know it's a situation where some of these guys. I don't have a problem any of those guys you mentioned if they have to be brought up uh, at any point in the year, and and I think they could all help the Reds. I mean, that's a bunch of guys that uh, have some uh, some serious upside. And when you talk about guys like Mezzarocco, we're talking like big time upside, like top prospect upside. Um, but even some of these other yeah. guys that are just maybe sort of fill-in players uh, to help fill out a roster, yeah, there's some guys that can hit, can, can play some defense, and uh, I just, uh, it's exciting to me. Well, I mean, look, look at the job Chris Vileka did last year when Phillips got hurt. He came up here and did a wonderful job for this team. There's a lot of people that think Zach Kozart's got more upside than, than Yanish. Uh, you know, I, there's there's a lot of guys that are that are turning heads. There was an article today, I think John Faye was in his blog, that uh, 
one of our favorite Reds, Barry Larkin's out working with uh, Billy Hamilton. And Barry is just raving about Hamilton's athleticism and, and talent and all these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, Barry, Barry Larkin to me is like E.F. Hutton. When Barry Larkin speaks, I listen. Uh, and, and if he's raving about Billy Hamilton, I can't wait to see this kid in Dayton here in a couple of weeks. Uh, what does Barry Larkin know about being an athletic shortstop? Come on. Yeah, I'd rather know what Edgar Renteria thinks. <laughs> no, Larkin is my favorite player uh, of all time, certainly, and uh, I miss watching him plays to this day. But yeah, this Hamilton kid, you know, I've only got to see him take a couple of swings uh, on one of the televised games, and the first thing you notice is he's absolutely tiny. The guy is just, he looks like his helmet's about to swallow him up. Uh, he just does not look like he needs to be out there. But then you watch him run, and everybody, to a man, is raving over this guy's skill. Um and uh, if he can learn to hit, and, and you know he's hit pretty well in the minor leagues, but if he can continue to progress there, good grief, here in a couple of years, the Reds might have uh, another in that we've talked a lot of times about the long line of shortstops that the Reds have had, really quality shortstops for a long time until just the very recent past from, uh, you know, before Larkin, it was obviously Concepcion, and, and on back to, to, you know, gosh, who, 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 who was before that? Um, I'm drawing a blank. Here. Leo Cartes. Was Leo Cardenas and um, what was it? What was the other guy, the guy's name before him? The really good defensive guy. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I can't either. Uh, That's who I was trying to think of. But, but Hamilton could yeah. be next in, the, in that line of, uh, of solid shortstop play for the Reds. Although, who was the last? Well, Reds, we sure hope so. Who was the last Reds shortstop to make an All Star team? Can you answer that? Felipe no. Lopez. I mean, I Lark. Felipe Lopez is a shortstop. Yeah. Made the All Star team wow. uh, for the Reds. So, um, but anyway, yeah, well, Han- I'm, looking at these, I'm looking at these spring training. I'm looking at these spring training numbers, and uh, Paul Yanish has got a 750 OPS in spring training. Would you be happy with that for the season? I would dance the jig uh, in front of uh, Great American Ballpark, uh, in front of the Johnny Bench statue. I mean, I think that would be fantastic <laughs> when you consider the. And I take pictures. Of- <laughs> when you consider the defense that Yanish can uh, can bring to the table, I'll take anything that approaches adequate at the plate because he's going to earn his keep with the glove. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of reason uh, for excitement. Now, you uh, posted something, oh, I think it was yesterday, over at uh, CBSSports.com. A guy over there had some what he called his likes and dislikes about our uh, red legs. And uh, let me run through these real quick and get your thoughts on uh, on his likes, first of all. Uh, what he likes about the Reds is, first of all, these guys again will score a lot. I think we, I think we agree with that. Whether they'll score as much as last season, uh, who knows? I, I think they'll be in the neighborhood of what they scored last year. And and like you said earlier, with the defense and pitching, I think they're going to give up less runs. So you know the the differential, I think, may even be higher than it was last year. And that was another thing that uh, that this guy wrote about. Uh, he liked about the Reds was Cincinnati's defense is golden. We've already talked about that. Uh, what about this one? I don't know about this one. He thinks that uh, you should look for Brandon Phillips' offensive numbers to improve. You think? No, I don't think. And I, and I said that in a post. I, I don't even agree that he had a, a down year. Um, a lot of his numbers were up. You know, he didn't ground, ground out as many double plays. You know, I, I think it depends on where they put him as to how, 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 much, how valuable he'll be. I, I just don't think, if, you know, if Dusty's determined to bat him in the leadoff spot, I don't think he'll be as valuable as he can as he will be if they hit him in the sixth or seventh spot. spot excuse me. With respect to Phillips, the one thing to consider that you know, maybe on the surface his numbers could improve a bit this year, only because if you recall the last month of the season last year, he had that he got hit on the hand and he was awful, and his numbers dropped substantially. His on-base percentage was over three forty, I think, on the year before. Mm-hmm that final month when he got hurt. So maybe if uh, he could just sort of have the same year he had last year and not get hurt, maybe they could be slightly better. But I just I don't see at his age how you could expect uh, his numbers to improve, uh, you know, substantially. I just don't see that. Yeah, I think he is what he is. I mean, and he's been pretty stable the last few years, and I think that's what you're going to get. Uh, in terms of uh, the, the last lock, quote-unquote, that this uh, guy had was – uh, for Edinson Volquez, is entering his first uh, full season some 18 months after undergoing Tommy John ligament transfer surgery and thinks that uh, Edinson's really going to be a big improvement uh, for this team, uh, be a big help for this team. 
What do you see out of Edinson this year? What do you expect out of him? Do you know what to expect? I don't have any idea. Um, I, 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 I worry that Dusty is going to tell this kid how good he thinks he can be, and the kid goes out there and tries to be that rather than being himself. Uh, I think pitching him in the first game of the playoffs last year was a horrible decision. And I said it before then. That's not you know that's not back you know, Monday morning quarterbacking. That's a lot of pressure to put on that kid. Um, you know, my point that I, as, I, as I said in the in the post on the on the blog was the, the the good thing about this team at this point is if he struggles, if he still has some health problems, whatever, we have some solid people that we can call on that, that can that can fill that other spot in the rotation. Uh, but hopefully we won't need it. Hopefully it'll be the pitcher he was in 2008. And, and between him and Cueto, you could be, we could have something special. Yeah, I mean, the best case scenario there is uh, is fantastic. Um, but, you know, you mentioned if we had to, if something happened and uh, there were some injuries or something like that, how many teams, and I don't know, I need to go through and look, but how many teams have a guy they could call up uh, basically as your sixth starter that you, if you have to call somebody up? As talented as Mike Leake. I just... There can't be very many teams out there that can can do that. So, um, it's the depth is incredible. I'm just uh, I keep uh, I keep every time I read about it or think about it, I just it blows my mind that these are our Reds we're talking about. After all, you know the decade we had to endure before last year, I, I just I still can't believe it. It isn't too many years ago, guys like Mike Leak and Matt Maloney, rather than pitching in AAA, would have been the maybe one and two or two and three starters on this team. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, and that's one of the things this guy uh, on this article we're talking about from CBS Sports, one of his dislikes of the Reds was that the rotation's 4.05 ERA last season ranked 10th in the National League. And, uh, and and you wrote, you know, I think there's a big reason when you talk about having healthy Homer Bailey and Edison Volquez and, and not having Aaron Harang in, in the rotation. There's every reason in the world to believe they're going to improve and maybe improve substantially on that. Well, I mean – you know Johnny Cueto's numbers have gotten better every year. If Homer Bailey is healthy and he, he's the pitcher that he's shown flashes of being, if Volquez comes back, you know, and, and you know he's on the timeline coming back from Tommy John, where you expect him to take the big step. Uh, I re- I'm a big Travis Wood fan. I really like the way this kid pitches. Uh, I'm a bigger Travis Wood fan than I am a Mike Leake fan. Uh, but and that's nothing against Mike Leake. I just really like the way Travis Wood pitches. Uh, he might take a little bit of a step back this year. I don't know because he, he he increased his number of innings pitched last year a whole bunch, and that's normally not a good sign. But I expect that that four point oh five to drop down somewhere b- below four, and us to be ranked. I, I'd be surprised if we're not in the top. I don't know six five six in the National League. In pitching or starting rotation, ERA. Yeah, and and uh, the last couple of dislikes I mentioned here were things we've already talked about with respect to the leadoff man and the and, and the relief core. But I thought the way you summed up uh, the whole thing was was apropos. You said uh, on the blog, the dislikes don't seem too major to me. I really like this team and believe that it's going to be a fun year. Really should be a fun year, shouldn't it? I think it's going to be a great year. It's going to be an exciting year. Um, every team in the division improved themselves. Uh, I, I think the Reds improved because their young players are, going to, are a year older, and so you can naturally assume they're going to be a little bit better. Uh, other teams went out and, and, and got themselves some help. Uh, whether the Cardinals are going to be able to weather the storm with an older guy, you know, some older guys and the injuries they're facing, and then Milwaukee losing Granky the other day and going to help them, but. The division, I think, overall is going to be better. It, it should be a fun year. Yeah, it'd be fun to be in the race uh, all season long, um, and I just I can't wait to get, for it to get started. I'm it, I've been sort of I don't know burned out's not the word, but uh, it's taken me a little longer this year for which surprisingly to sort of get that excitement uh, going again. But man, just thinking about this team really gets me excited for opening day to get here. It's uh, it's going to be a good one. Uh, let me mention something else that you, and I, I, we only touch on it briefly, I guess, here. I wanted to talk about it uh, and spend a little bit more time on it, but maybe we can at least just touch on it briefly before we finish up. And that's something you posted today uh, with respect to the Reds having so many games on television. Uh, you know, the Reds have got almost every one of their games are going to be televised this year. They're even going to be more national, uh, nationally televised games. And, and 
And you've asked this question before. We've discussed it before. Uh, you know, how does that help attendance? How does it hurt attendance? What what does that do? Uh, and uh, what are your thoughts about whether that's such a it's a good thing for those of us out here in the nation that can't just get to the ballpark at any time. But how does it? How do you think it affects attendance? Well, and, and we've talked about this before. I, I don't think this team is as much of a regional draw as it used to be back in when I was younger. Uh, I'm 52. In the days of the Big Red Machine, this team drew from three or four states. I mean, they still do to a minor to a, to a much lesser degree. Um, the other thing is the the the, uh, the fact that there's alternatives. You know, there's teams in Indianapolis, teams in Louisville, team, you know, Reds teams that you you go see young Red players. You know, if you catch them at the right time in Indianapolis, all the time in Louisville, Dayton. Uh, there's a team in Lexington. Uh, there's a team, and you can catch the same. You know, the AAA. If you want to catch the Louisville team, you can catch them pretty much in the area in, in Reds Nation. Everywhere, you know, Columbus, Toledo, Indianapolis. Um, I, I can't speak for other people, you know. When I used to live closer down, I used to go to a lot of games uh, when I was here, I think, uh, that we go to up there. And it's just easier for me to sit in my family room on those other nights, and, and when the game's over, I'm in bed five minutes later, and I have to get in the, you know walk up to town, get in the car, drive forty or forty five minutes home, fight the traffic, fight the parking, and all that stuff. I, I, I saw where somebody on the you know in the discussion on the blog said that the short term, uh, the the games on TV probably hurt attendance, but the long term is it helps them build fans. Uh, I, I see the point. I, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, I think winning builds fans. Uh, just like I think winning generally increases attendance. Uh, but, you know, there's so many, There's more than just the TV thing that affects the attendance. But I just, uh, I'm, not, I'm just not convinced that the Reds aren't hurting themselves. By, by having so many games on television. But I don't know, you know, and, and I don't track this. I don't know. Maybe every team puts this many games on TV now. I just don't know. Well, I don't know whether it helps or hurts, but it does recall, make me recall, uh, I don't really recall from personal experience, but when they first started broadcasting games on the radio way back when, that was sort of the argument against it. Most owners were adamant that you shouldn't put these games on radio because you're giving away your product, and uh, and if you're giving away your product, they're not going to come watch it. And, of course, attendance boomed after they started putting games on the radio. Uh, this is obviously a different situation, but uh, I, don't, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, you probably remember when games first started getting broadcast on the radio, don't you? Yeah, Wade Hoyt and I used to have a beer after the game sometimes, you know, down at old Red Leg Field, or Redland Field down there in the West End. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, definitely. Back uh, before they had ice. <laughs> Way back when. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, maybe time to wrap it up here. Any other final thoughts? Anything else uh, on your mind that you want to rant about? You're good at ranting. Just a, just a yeah, I haven't done any rant, real ranting tonight, but just a couple of things that we talked about in our in our conference call with the editors the other night is um, watch. we want guys to watch this year because we're going to do our player of the month a little differently. We're going to have uh, some... Some polls to help us pick the players of the month. We're going to do uh, um, uh, some nominees, and we're going to write an article about it, and we're going to ask people to vote and help us pick the player of the month. And I think that'll be a, a, a fun thing to do. And the other thing we talked about a little bit is is uh, some different Red Leg Nation gatherings, not just at the Reds game, is maybe some, maybe one in Louisville or Indianapolis or Columbus. These are all things that we're thinking about. And uh, if anybody's got any ideas, let us know. Absolutely, yeah. Been trying to come up with some ideas to make uh, RedLegNation.com, uh, I guess, even more exciting, more fun place to to hang out and talk about the Reds, and uh, and part of that's going to be trying to work out some uh, a way to we can get together a little bit away from the website and uh, talk to each other and uh, you know meet up and and, and root on uh, the Reds, uh, minors and majors. So definitely, I appreciate you mentioning that. I forgot to to mention that. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention briefly before we uh, sign off is. Uh, if, you, if you go to the redlegnation.com and, and look over in the left sidebar, 
there's a link to uh, this uh, Maple Street Press Reds Annual 2011. And, and if you've not gotten a copy of that yet, I want to urge everybody to go out and get a copy. Not because it puts anything in my pocket. Uh, uh, buying copies doesn't. But a couple of Red Lake Nation editors contributed articles to it. It is the most uh, in-depth Reds preview I think uh, that you're ever going to find. It's really impressive. A lot of uh, hard work went into it. A lot of good writers uh, from uh, Red Lake Nation and from... Uh, RedReporter.com, another fine Reds blog. And just, if you've not gotten it while it's still on shelves, go get it. It's 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 all over the place. It's being sold all around Red Leg Nation because I know I picked up, there were copies being sold across the Kentucky border in Virginia. You talk about the Reds being a regional draw. There's still some Reds fans around here because they're selling them in Virginia. They're selling them in Indiana, Kentucky. Um, and obviously uh, Ohio. So if you get a chance to get one of those, pick it up at your newsstand or uh, or go to the website there and it, there's just a link to the website where you can buy one. Again, it doesn't put any dollars in my pocket, uh, but uh, I think you'll really enjoy that, that magazine. I want to encourage everybody to go pick that up. All right, Bill, uh, it's been good uh, getting back uh, on the horse again with the, the podcast. You've had some good interviews for us recently, but it's been a while since you and I have actually sat down to have a discussion. I'm disappointed we didn't argue a little bit more, but maybe next time. I'm sure that we could find something to argue about if we thought about it long enough. Before we get out of here, one more thing I want to do is, we haven't plugged this for a while on the podcast or on the thing, is our Red Leg Nation shop that's up at the top of the pot, uh, uh, the thing, for your Red Leg Nation apparel. And we've got some really neat, uh, what I really like, the t-shirt designs. And, uh, they're, they're, you know, if we, we appreciate the advertising on your body. You know, not a tattoo, but if you bought one of the t-shirts, they're, they're good-looking t-shirts and they're high quality. And, uh, it helps us out a little bit here at Red Leg Nation. Although I would like to encourage anybody who wants to get a Red Leg Nation tattoo to go ahead and, uh, and do that. I want to see a picture of it. No, maybe maybe that's not a good idea. All right, Bill, I uh, appreciate you joining us uh, here this evening. Uh, appreciate all you guys uh, and gals that downloaded the podcast and, and listened to us. I know you got a lot of things you can do with your uh, time, and uh, we really appreciate you taking some time to listen to us ramble on about the, our beloved uh, Cincinnati Red Legs. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long.